How's it going, my fellow history scholars? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about the unanswered questions of history and unravel the mystery of the many questions we ask about our past. Welcome back, guys. Today, I'm your, I am your host, and welcome back today, Ian Decker. Say hi, Ian. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming back. Yes, we got an exciting topic for you guys today. But before we begin, I'd like to remind you guys that we can uh, you can check the Facebook page for information on the episodes as well as to ask questions and stay up to date on information concerning the podcast. Don't forget to show your support for this podcast by donating donating on Anchor, the awesome podcast server we use to make all of these episodes possible. And then in the end, we're going to give some shout outs to those of you who have already liked the Facebook page and we thank you for the gross growth that has already been experiencing. All right, our topic for today is going to be the Freemasons, the infamous society of uh, of brothers who have uh, really been uh, under scrutiny. So today we're going to talk about what Masonry is, uh, some of the stuff they do, and uh, debunk some of those conspiracy theories about them. And uh, Ian, if you don't have anything to say, we'll get right into it. Let's hop right into it. All right, let's get into the origins of Freemasonry. everybody i'm sure a lot of you've heard of the freemasons but i'm sure not a lot of you know what they do or where they originated and uh jake's gonna show us more about the origins of the freemasons yeah so really the history of the freemasons really encompasses the origins the evolution and defining events of the fraternal organization and that really comes in three separate phases first the emergence of organized lodges as operative masons during the middle ages Next, we have the admission of lay members as accepted Masons or speculative speculative Masons. And then finally, we have the evolution of purely speculative lodges and the emergence of grand lodges to govern them. So really, Masonry actually started out as a a work skilled. It was a a collection of stonecutters and workers that got together and uh, they tried to hide the secret blueprints to the buildings and things that they made. And uh, as a... Masonry started to die out as an actual job. Uh, What arose in its place was what became known as today as speculative Freemasonry, which is the symbolic Freemasonry that uh, most of us think about when talking about Freemasons. So that that's uh, you can already see the connections there with between the stonemasons and the Freemasons. You know, just in the name itself. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much their origin. Literally, Masonry was their 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 original work guild. So the origins of Freemasonry are really not definitively known, but national organized Freemasonry we know began in 1717 with the founding of the Grand Lodge or Association of Masonic Lodges in England. Freemasons, however, claim to have existed for much longer, and the most popular theory is that Freemasonry sorry, actually emerged out of the stonemason guilds of the Middle Ages. So what we were talking about, they, uh, they started out as a work guild. They were uh, the actual stonecutters, and they built all of the, the great cathedrals of uh, medieval and Renaissance Europe. That, the big buildings that we think of when we go on a, like a European vacation, they built a lot of those very historic buildings that we know today. And then uh, the speculative Freemasonry, which uh, we think about as modern Freemasonry today, that started in 1717 after the founding of the Grand Lodge of England. So, uh, Freemasonry had developed out of its work guild and had become, uh, philosophers almost in a sense where they, uh, they devoted a lot of their time to, uh, ancient mysteries and, uh, 
really uh they became what we think of modern Freemasons as today. And then the, the working stonemasons were known to have had lodges where they discussed their trade, but after the decline of building cathedrals during the medieval and Renaissance ages, some of these lodges began to accept honorary members. These operations of lodges then became known as speculative, speculative lodges, and it gave rise to what is today known as symbolic Freemasonry or modern Freemasonry. In the 16 to 1700s, these lodges adopted the symbols and lessons of ancient religious orders and chivalric brotherhoods. Over centuries, the Freemasons developed their mythologized history to which they have traced back to the lineage of King Solomon in ancient Jerusalem. So in a historical sense, we know that Freemasonry at least dates to medieval and Renaissance Europe as masonry guilds. But uh, Freemasons actually claim to have existed much longer, as far back as even ancient Jerusalem. And uh, the building of such structures as the Tower of Babel and uh, King Solomon's Temple, which are both mentioned in the modern adoption of the Bible. So their origin, they claim, is a lot older than uh, as far as history knows that they actually are. So what, do you know the oldest state that they claim to have originated? The oldest state? The oldest state, yeah. The oldest state. That, well, we know at least 1717 was when the founding of the Grand Lodge in England was formed. That's uh, modern Freemasonry as we know it. But before that, they had the work guilds, like we were talking about. But then uh, Freemasons even claimed to have existed much longer, going back as possibly may as far as uh, ancient Jerusalem and the building of Solomon's Temple. So what would the, what, what century would that be? That would be, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, that would be before Christ. So a long time ago. Wow. They claim, at least since, uh, it, this is really speculative Freemasonry, but since the dawn of time, maybe. <laughs> and so, uh, we were talking about their, their story that they, that they've claimed descended from, uh, the lineage of King Solomon in ancient Jerusalem. Well, this story actually goes that Freemasonry had actually strong connections with ancient Jerusalem. And that the temple, through the architecture of Solomon's temple and uh, Hiram Abiff, which was the, the architect of Solomon's temple, almost all Freemasons accept as their history their place in ancient Jerusalem and the temple. And that actually in Blue, Rod, Blue Lodge Masonry, which covers the first three degrees of Freemasonry, in fact, the legends of ancient Jerusalem and Hiram Abiff are really the central themes that you learn within those degrees. And then for, what, are these, what are these Hiram Abiff? And, uh, could you explain that to me? Yeah, Hiram Abiff was the architect of Solomon's Temple. And uh, he was essentially considered the greatest craftsman of all time, almost. And the Freemasons claim descendants from them. They believe that they were actually the people who, uh, who worked under Hiram Abiff and actually the three Masons who, uh, who killed Hiram Abiff. They killed him? Why did they? Why well, did they kill him? That's that Masonic story within the first three degrees. It explains how uh, how human ignorance and uh, death are a part of life, and so we must live 
full and correct lives and not be ignorant of what we don't know, but continue to expand our minds and learn new things. And so the Masons that killed Hiram Abiff stand as a lesson of what a corrupt life looks like and how to live a life that's enlightened. In Freemasonry, Hiram Abiff is presented as the chief architect of King Solomon's temple. And uh, he's murdered in the temple he, he designed by three ruffians as they unsuccessfully attempt to force him to divulge the Master Mason's secret password. The themes of the allegory are the importance of fidelity and the certainty of death. So pretty much what we were just talking about. The tale of Hiram Abiff, Hiram Abiff as passed down in Masonic lodges underpins the third degree. It states that, or sorry, it starts with his arrival in Jerusalem and his appointment by Solomon as chief architect and master of works at the construction of his temple. And as the temple is nearing completion, three fellow craft masons from the workforce ambush him as he leaves the building demanding the secrets of a master mason. Hiram is then challenged by each in turn, and at each refusal to divulge the information, his assailants strike him with a mason's tool and a difference between the jurisdictions. But he is ultimately injured by the first two assailants and then struck dead by the last. So the Hiram of Biff story is very prevalent, and it's really the central theme of Blue Lodge Masonry, or what a core Freemasonry is, because... We have the Scottish Rite, we have the York Rite, and we have tons of different appending bodies. But at the heart of all that is what's called Blue Lodge Masonry, which is the first three degrees of Freemasonry. And it centers around this story of Hiram Abiff and uh, expanding your mind and seeking enlightenment and not falling into corruption like the three workmen that killed Hiram Abiff. So no matter what type of lodge or uh, appended body you go into, every Mason has these three these main ideals. Yeah, every Mason has to go through the first three degrees in Blue Lodge Freemasonry before they can join any appendant body or right. Wow. So that's really the, the the origin of Freemasonry. It really all started out with uh, the story of Hiram Abiff and uh, the, the formation of the Grand Lodge in 1717. Speculation has existed that uh, claim that the Freemasons exist uh, a, lot, a lot earlier than that, but uh, as far as a historical chronology and historical sense is, uh, we know at least 1717. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the origin of Freemasonry. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the other topics like the York Rite and the Scottish Rite. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Scottish Rite. The Scottish Rite is pretty interesting. So let's jump into them. Sorry for the interruption of the podcast, but we'll be right back to the episode after a short message from our sponsor. So these Freemasons branch out into different bodies, and uh, these bodies all share the same ideals. But where where they start to branch out is where they start to start to start to split ideals and start to grow their own uh, independent uh, bodies. So let's uh, talk about the Scottish Rite. Yeah, so the Scottish Rite is one of the two major paths of Freemasonry after Blue Lodge Freemasonry. So after you get the degree of uh, Master Mason, because it goes from uh, the first to third degree is Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and then Master Mason. After you get your Master Mason degree, you can either choose to 
join an independent body like the Shriners or uh, Eastern Star, or you can uh, join the Scottish Rite or the York Rite. And uh, the Scottish Rite and the York Rite are like uh, almost following a college education as in the fact that it's continuing a Mason's knowledge of the order through uh, various sets of degrees. And so the Scottish Rite is one of those branches. And uh, the double ASR, or the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, commonly known simply as the Scottish Rite, or in England and Australia as the Rosecroy, is one of the two major rites of Freemasonry. And a rite is being the progressive series of degrees conferred by various Masonic bodies, each which operate under the control of its own central authority. So they're like orders within the order because uh, they have jurisdiction and control over themselves, but they're still connected with Blue Lodge Masonry because that's how you're able to join the order is after completing Blue Lodge. And so after becoming a master Mason, you can join appendant bodies for further exposure to the principles of Freemasonry. And it is also concordant with the degrees related to the craft or Blue Lodge Masonry, like we were talking about. And uh, in the United States, the Scottish Rite is officially recognized by Grand Lodges and as an extension of the degrees of Freemasonry. And like other appendant bodies, the Scottish Rite builds upon the ethical teachings and philosophy offered through the dramatic presentation of the individual degrees. So uh, within the Scottish Rite, there is a series of 33 degrees. The 33rd degree being the highest degree you can attain within Scottish Rite Freemasonry. And you essentially, you progress through these degrees and you build on your knowledge of what you learn from Blue Lodge or the, the core of Freemasonry. And uh, George Mudry, the guy we're interviewing later today, is actually a 32nd degree, so he's, he's well on his way. Yeah, he really is. And uh, that's that's pretty good. And to get to a 32nd degree takes a, a long time, for sure. Because uh, it depending on the lodge, you could do all, uh, all three of your blue lodge degrees within a day or a weekend. Or uh, it could take up to five years. It really depends on the lodge. So, but either way, uh, this takes a long time. It's a lifelong journey that these Masons follow. After they join when they're uh, when they're eighteen or when they first learn about it, they continue until really their death because uh, Masonry is a lifelong journey. Wow. And uh, it's, it's, it's ethical teachings and philosophy. A lot of it seems like occult worship and devil worship. And that's such the generic conspiracy theory about them. But really, it's teaching philosophy and teaching how life should be and what's right and what's wrong and how to be a good moral person. Because as their they're saying is, they, uh, they make good men better. That's their goal. And so uh, in the United States, the Scottish Rite is split up into the northern and southern Masonic jurisdictions. And this is really based on population and geographical location. This system also hugely reflects the era of the Civil War and the strife within Masonry during it. And you guys might remember the person whom we talked about in the Confederate Treasure episode, Albert Pike. As uh, he became the sovereign Grand Master and uh, commander of the southern jurisdiction. And the organization still really pays great homage to him. Uh, Albert Pike is one of the, the 
best known Masons of all time, essentially, at least within the, the Scottish Rite, if not all of Masonry, because of the, the great work he did. He wrote a book known as uh, Morals and Dogma, which has provided the lessons and the information that is essential to all Masonic teachings. And it's really the core book of uh, core book of Masonry and what all Masons should read at some point in their Masonic career. And um, so like we're talking about, it really is based on geography, the split between the Northern and Southern Masonic jurisdiction. So the Northern jurisdiction is actually, uh, it takes up less States, but that's because of population. A lot of the population in the Northern part of the country, at least at that time was, uh, was concentrated in the North. And so uh, the North actually had less States than the Southern jurisdiction. And uh, the Southern jurisdiction is probably, I think, the, the more well-known of the, the jurisdictions within Scottish Rite, because uh, people think about buildings like the House of the Temple, which was mentioned in uh, Dan Brown's book, The Lost Symbol, which became a, another source for conspiracy theories and nuts out there. And uh, the, the building's beautiful. It's sometimes called the, the Vatican of uh, the Vatican of Scottish Rite masonry, but uh, I, don't, I don't think the Pope probably likes that term. <laughs> but uh it's only one of several several buildings throughout the world that are similar in structure um there's a grand lodge for every state there's uh commanderies in every country uh masonry is wide world and really well spread they have uh they have connections in pretty much every part of the globe So there are four coordinate bodies within the Scottish Rite Southern jurisdiction, and uh, the Lodge of Perfection covers the 4th to the 14th degree after Blue Lodge Masonry. The Chapter of the Rose Croix covers degrees from uh, 15 to 18. Uh, the Council of Kadush covers the 19th to the 30th degree, and then the Consistory slash the Court of Honor covers the 31st to 33rd degrees. And uh, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, the 33rd degree is an honorary degree that is only gifted by choice of the Grand Council, or uh, depending on your jurisdiction, Northern or Southern Masonic jurisdiction. Uh, the Council of Kadush seems significantly uh, large, longer than any of the other, uh, any of the other uh, chapters. Yeah, it covers quite a few degrees for sure. It's one of the, the bigger bodies within the Scottish Rite. And uh, we'll get into we'll get into why that is in a, in a few. So let's talk about the degrees of the Lodge of Perfection. So the degrees within the Lodge of Perfection or the, the fourth to the 14th degree after a Mason has uh, achieved his Master Mason degree after the third degree. Um, the Lodge and the degrees of the Lodge of Perfection, investigate and contemplate spirituality as well as amplify the Hiramic legend and lessons from the biblical era. So uh, Hiram Abith, like we were talking about, this is the furthering of the knowledge of his, his story and his life with uh, the Lodge of Perfection. And uh, it covers a lot of lessons within the biblical era as well. So the degree names are the, the fourth degree is Builder. Perfect Master is the fifth degree. Master of the Brazen Serpent is the sixth degree. Provost and Judge is the seventh degree. 
Intendant of the building is the eighth degree, and then master of the temple is the ninth degree. And then that's that's not it, sorry. The master elect is the tenth degree. The sublime master elected is the eleventh degree. The master of the ninth arch is the twelfth degree, and then grand elect mason is the thirteenth degree. So quite a few degrees within the logic perfection alone that uh prevent a lot of that show a lot of these teachings concerning Hiram Abiff and uh, other biblical stories that play a great importance within Masonic legend. Because as we were talking about, historical Masonry dates back to 1717, but Masonry has claimed to have been formed way before that. And uh, this reflects that. They say that they were uh, very influential in the, the stories of the Bible as we know it. Are you live over there, Ian? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I just, you know, I'm just listening to you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you want to talk more about the chapters? Yeah. So the chapter of the Rose Croix is the next one. And uh, the chapter of the Rose Croix confirms the, the 17th and 18th degrees, which are referred to as actually the philosophical degrees. And uh, both degrees are used, or sorry, both degrees use the book of life to advance the concept of avoiding the mistakes of the past. So again, the philosophy of Freemasonry and uh, how they try to make good men better. Uh, the two degree names are the, the Knight of the East and West, which is the 17th degree, and then the Knight of the Rose Croix or the HRDM, which I'm trying to remember the acronym for. There's so many acronyms within Freemasonry. Yeah, uh, you're saying the one, uh, the first degree is, no, the, both degrees are about uh, the concept of avoiding mistakes in the past. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know if we're doing too good at that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like the one's good. about to repeat itself. Yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, what's interesting is the actually the chapter of the Rose Croix, if you couldn't tell from the name, is based on the Rose Croix or the Rosicrucians, and uh, they have a they have a lot of reflections within within this chapter of uh, Rosicrucian symbols and uh, Ro Rosicrucian allegory. If uh, you guys have ever seen a Masonic plate, which is pretty much just a drawing of uh, key Masonic concepts, you'll notice. So many symbols, and it's uh, it's overwhelming sometimes when you look at it because of how many symbols they use. But that was their way of protecting their way of life because during the Middle Ages and the Medieval Age, uh, the Pope and the Church didn't like the Enlightenment and the free-thinking ideas that the Masons were developing, along with other societies, like we talked about, the Rosicrucians. And uh, we'll talk about the Bavarian Illuminati. They were the same way. The historical Illuminati, not the one that's trying to take over the world. <laughs> and uh, all these fraternal brotherhoods and organizations were really uh, considered enemies of the church because they had free thinking and uh, they pursued enlightenment, which the church didn't like. And so that's why, why a lot of their stuff is symbols. Like well, it was... They, they considered it contrary to church teachings because they they had their set beliefs and uh, these fraternal brotherhoods were, were going against that uh, since the 
since the Dark Ages, pretty much, when Christianity became the main religion of Europe and the church started developing, they would not provide any other answer besides uh, what was prevalent in the Bible and what they knew according to Christ's teachings. But the Masons and the Rosicrucians and the Bavarian Illuminati, they went against that and they formed free thinking ideas that were contrary to church teachings. They were not reflective of the Bible, but instead prevented, uh, presented, sorry, ideas of, of their own. They used science and uh, enlightenment ideas, philosophy. So would you describe uh, Freemasonry as a philosophy? Definitely. Freemasonry is definitely a philosophy. Some people would even go as far as to call it a religion, but I wouldn't call it a religion. It does require you to believe in a supreme being whom they call the great architect. But Masonry is above all things of philosophy. And it teaches, again, their motto of how to make good men better. So I'll get into the, the Council of Kadush, which is the next one. And this confers the 19th through the 30th degrees. And uh, the word Kadush actually is a Hebrew meaning, is a Hebrew word meaning holy. And uh, it refers back to the Old Testament times and its teachings. The degree names are the Grand Pontiff, which is a 19th degree, Master of the Master of the Symbolic Lodge, with it, which is the 20th degree, the Neochite or Prussian Prince, which is the 21st degree, Knight of the Royal Axe or Prince of Lebanon, which is the 22nd degree. Chief of the Tabernacle, which is the 23rd degree. Prince of the Tabernacle, which is the 24th degree. Knight of the Brazen Serpent, which is the 25th degree. Prince of Mercy, which is the 26th degree. Knight of the Sun or Prince Adept, which is the 27th degree. Knight Commander of the Temple, which is the 28th degree. Scottish Knight of St. Andrew, which is the 29th degree. And then finally, the Knight of Kadosh, which is the 30th degree. So each of these degrees are like titles the Masons are given. Yes. Uh, like titles of titles of power. Yep. And uh, you can definitely tell when a Mason is a higher up because of the size of his closet and all the ornaments and different uniforms he gets with each degree. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these, uh, some of these masons have uh, like entire rooms in their house that are just dedicated to holding their masonic ornaments and memorabilia because they receive so much because of all the different degrees and the titles they receive. Wow! But at the core of all these titles, uh, masons call each other above anything else the brothers. They they call each other above anything else just brothers. I see a lot of uh, I see a lot of humorous like uh, renditions of the the brotherhood ideals of like people just giving giving out free stuff that uh, you run into another mason and and like the secret handshake you know or just people just get benefits all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Masonry is a brotherhood above anything else, with their philosophy and brotherhood being the two main things that make up Freemasonry. Um, and and the brotherhood aspect, uh, yeah. Brothers take care of brothers. So if you need something, uh, you're you're in a tough situation in life. Your brothers take care of you. It's a huge family, and uh, these guys are uh, these guys really take care of each other. And uh, that's why I think I like it because uh, it's good to have someone like that in your life. And uh, that's kind of why 
I'm interested in pursuing them, or at least one of the reasons is uh, I want that fraternal brotherhood. I think that's a, such a cool idea. I don't know of many other uh, societies that have the, uh, that type of uh, relationship with each other. Yeah, it's really quite amazing, the relationship that they have. Uh, I've heard stories where uh, they'd walk up and uh, they were going to pay for their Dunkin' Donuts or something. And then uh, the cashier will be and then the cashier will say, have a nice day, brother. And then they won't have to pay. Wow. So they definitely take care of each other. It's awesome, the, the connection and the brotherhood that these guys have. And uh, yes, I know it's the old generic term of this group of white old men but uh it's it's more than that it's uh there's a ton of younger freemasons too there's prince hall masons which are their their own really well-developed thing where which is african-americans they have their own form of freemasonry uh women get involved in freemasonry not only uh helping make the the meal for the lodge nights but also uh joining orders like the order of the eastern star and then uh hanging out with the guys after they do their ritual so uh not only is it a brotherhood, but it's a it's a family because uh, it it doesn't just impact the guys, but uh, it it's a whole family thing. Everybody can be involved in it. All right, now kind of went on a a loophole Tangent, there. Yeah, <laughs> so, but let's get into the the final uh, chapter of Freemasonry, the last three degrees. Yeah, so this is the consistory and the court of honor. And uh, it's a direct relation to the Supreme Council. And uh, the consistory degrees of the Scottish Rite and the Southern Jurisdiction are uh, Inspector Inquisitor, which is the th 31st degree, and uh, Sublime Prince of the Royal Secret, which is the 32nd degree. However, in the Northern Jurisdiction, the consistory confers degrees from the 19th to the 32nd inclusively. That's in the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction. Gosh, sorry, I can't talk. The 33rd degree, as we know it, is bestowed by the Court of Honor and by the Supreme Council. And the degree is only given to members who have made major contributions to Freemasonry. And uh, the 33rd degree is extremely hard to get. It is exceptionally honorary. It is one of the well most well-known degrees in Freemasonry, as well as being one of the hardest degrees to get. I mean, uh, I don't know this for sure, but uh, a lot of political figures were, were Freemasons, and, and a lot of them uh, never made it to the 33rd degree. Yeah. Uh, George Washington was never 33rd, but that kind of makes sense because he was a president and he had other stuff to do. Um, yeah. Albert Pike was, but that is also because of the influential role that he played and he dedicated his entire life to it. That's what you yeah, have to do a, to attain the 33rd degree. It's extremely yeah, honorary. Example. That's how you get the he's, 33rd degree. Yeah. His, his leadership really got him there. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you guys haven't read Morals and Dogma and you're interested in Freemasonry, I, I recommend it. I got uh, I got my hands on an original copy once. And uh, it was it was an interesting read. It's super hard to follow though because it's extremely philosophical, and uh, it's a lot of philosophy and uh, 
ritual and symbolic stuff that you don't understand, but it's still a good read if you're interested in these degrees and knowing more about them, because what we did was a very light overview. There is so much within the Masonic order. I'm sure you could go make an hour podcast for each individual degree. Honestly, probably. And uh, the other thing is, it is a fraternal brotherhood, and it's considered a secret society. I don't call it a secret society. I like to call it a society with secrets, because uh, we see them everywhere. We know who the Masons are. Uh, we know who a Mason is. But uh, the rituals and stuff, they, they protect them and hide those. But it's hard to find stuff out about them unless you're a Mason. And then that's another reason why the old saying is to be a Mason, ask a Mason, because there's only so much you can read online and read in books before you actually have to have to join to actually know more about it yourself. All right. So that's uh, that's the Scottish Rite in a nutshell. So let's move on to the other uh, the other branch, the other major branch, the York Rite. Yeah, let's get into it. So we talked about the Scottish Rite. Could you tell us more about the other side of the spectrum, the York Rite? Yeah, so the York Rite is essentially the second major rite of Freemasonry, and it's specifically a collection of three separate Masonic bodies and associated degrees. And uh, these are known as the Chapter of the Royal Arch Masons, the Council of Royal and Select Masters, and the Council of Cryptic Masons, or uh, the Commander of the Knights Templar. Or, sorry. The Royal Archmasons, Council of Royal and Select Masters, or Council of Cryptic Masons. The the Council of Royal and Select Masters is pretty much the same thing as the Council of Cryptic Masons. And then you have the Commander of the Knights Templar at the end. And then uh, each of which are governed independently, but are all considered to be a part of the York Rite. So similar to the structure of the, the Scottish Rite, in which there is pretty much orders within orders. Mm. So are we going to be talking about each individual order? Yeah. So what's the difference between, if there is a difference, what's the difference between the Council of Royal and Select Masters and the Council of the Cryptic Masons? I think it's just the names, but they also sometimes mix the degrees up depending on the, the country or location. Because like we were talking about a little bit in the Scottish Rite, the, the one council controls a 19th to the 30th degree, where the other one just controls... A, the other degrees. Hmm. If you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there are also other organizations that are considered to be directly associated with the York Rite or require York Rite membership to join. And uh, these include the York Rite Sovereign College. But in general, the York Rite is considered to be made up of the aforementioned three. So those three main bodies. But there's also the York Rite Sovereign College. And uh, the Wright's name is derived from the city of York, if couldn't tell, York, right? <laughs> Where, according to one Masonic legend, the first meetings of Masons in England took place. So I'm assuming that's probably around the same time as the, the Grand Lodge of England in 1717. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I found it interesting that it's based off the name of York. The Again, the, the wordology there as we've been uh, breaking down words throughout some of these episodes. All right, let's get into the chapter of Royal Arch Masonry. And uh, this is really known as Capitular Masonry. 
and it is the first part of the York Rite system of Masonic degrees. The Royal Arch Masons meet as a chapter, and the Royal Arch confers the four degrees known as the Mark Master Mason, the Past Master, Most Excellent Master, and Royal Arch Mason. So those four degrees. And uh, again, they're branches off of the, the first three degrees in Blue Lodge, where they a, a Mason can choose to continue to further his Masonic education. So I think it's, I think it's very interesting. Like Each and every one of these titles sounds like it could be the 33rd degree, but no, it's only the, the first few. Yeah, the names are, the names sound super spectacular, but there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, so you're already a master before you're even close to being the top degree. Yeah, the, the, the joke that I hear a lot about masonry is uh, when people ask, uh, what's the highest degree in masonry? And they're like, oh, uh, the master mason, because that's the third degree. Because that's the core of Freemasonry. That is Masonry. The appended bodies and the rights are separate from Masonry. So they, they pull that on so many people all the time. That's funny. When, uh, when in actuality, there's tons of different ways. Obviously, Masons can pursue their education as a, as a Freemason. So, so, do these, so does these educations they pursue, does this... Does this get them like jobs or something? Uh, no, not necessarily. It's it's like taking philosophy classes. It's to develop yourself. So uh, you're not physically gaining really anything. It's uh, you're gaining spiritual health and uh, spiritual enlightenment, pretty much. Mm. So I want to talk about the the Mark Master Mason degree. Because uh, the Mark Master Mason degree conveys moral and ethical lessons using ritualized allegory based around the building of King Solomon's temple. And if you remember the story of Hiram Abiff, that is one of the central themes within masonry. It, it really centers around the structure of Solomon's temple. And so many of the symbols and stuff you see in Masonic art are based off of Solomon's temple. And uh, the ceremonies required within this degree uh, require the candidate to undertake the role of a fellow craft. Thus, the degree is seen as an extension of the fellow craft degree. So uh, technically, you could only reach a uh, fellow craft, and then you could still also pursue this first degree in York, right? And again, like I was saying, uh, it's it's an extension of Blue Lodge Masonry. Every appendant body and right, like the York right and the Scottish right, are uh, extensions of a Mason's education. It's like going to college after high school. You take the the core classes and then you go and you study more at college. So. The next one is the past master mason degree, and this is an honorary degree usually conferred on the master of a lodge at his installation into office. And in this degree, the necessary instructions are conferred respecting the various ceremonies of the order, such as installation, processions, the laying of cornerstones, and etc. So uh, one of the huge Masonic things is the laying of the cornerstone ceremony. And uh, the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., and uh, so many other buildings in Washington, D.C., as well as state Capitol buildings and tons of different buildings all across the world are laid by Masons with this cornerstone ceremony. The cornerstone is the strongest and most important part of the building, and often Masons will be the ones who lay the cornerstone for the foundation of a new building. 
like uh, I was actually walking by the courthouse one day in my in my hometown in Sycamore, and I actually saw a plaque on the corner of the the front of the courthouse, and uh, it said "Laid by the Grand Lodge of Illinois." So, I found that interesting because uh, there's another presence right there within your hometown. That is very interesting to see their influence, like around where you live. Yeah, and the the closest lodge is. That you know, Masonic Lodge, so that's kind of far. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never been to any of these lodges. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Carbondale will be my first good experience. <laughs> so let's talk more about the, 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 the following degrees. Yeah, so the most excellent Master Mason degree is a product of American innovation, technically. It's a very much an American degree. And it was first conferred in a Royal Arts chapter as early as 1783 in Middletown, Connecticut. And uh, is it's actually considered by far to be the most spectacular degree in all of Freemasonry. And uh, you notice the connection there, Connecticut. The, the guy we're talking to today, who's a 32nd degree Freemason, he's from Connecticut. So what path did he take? Did he take the Scottish right path or the York right path? We're going to talk more with him. We're going to talk more with him during the interview, but he took the the Scottish right first. Hmm. And uh, I found this interesting because it's not based off uh, ancient allegories. It's actually based off American history. So it's a, I'm trying to label it. It's a, it's almost a newer degree because the history is reflected in the the foundation of America. So it's it's different than a lot of the degrees that you would take as a Freemason. And then, so the, would you say? Sorry. No, it's sorry. <laughs> would you say that geography plays a role in the different rites, the Scottish rite and the York rite? What do you mean? Like. Uh, did one develop in a separate country or than the other? Well, the Grand Lodge of England was really the first Masonic Lodge, and then it went to other countries besides that. But geographical area and location does play an important role. Because uh, let's say you lived in France. There's only one Grand Lodge in France. But uh, if you live in the United States, there's a Grand Lodge for every state. So the geography has a huge thing with uh, the development of these rights and... Uh, I, I got some of the teachings, like the degree we just talked about, which is a purely American degree. And uh, the split between the northern and southern Mas Masonic jurisdictions within the Scottish Rite. I think, yeah, definitely geography plays an important role in all of this. So the last degree within that is the Royal Archmason degree. And this is described by many to be one of the most beautiful degrees in all of Freemasonry. And uh, Freemasons who reach this degree may continue to cryptic masonry or go straight to Knights Templar where permitted, but requirements vary in different jurisdictions. So again, that geographical setting is does play an important part. And uh, the Royal Archmason, I found it intriguing that it's considered the most beautiful degree in all of Freemasonry. That's a. Uh, I, I wonder what that degree entails then. Something to look forward Maybe. to. <laughs> It sounds like it has something to do with getting closer to their enlightenment. Yeah. 
All right, so the next order would be the Order of the Royal and Select Masters, and it's an appendant order of Freemasonry, which Masons can join after the Royal Arch, and it's frequently referred to as the, the cryptic degree. So again, my, my confusion earlier between uh, the Royal and Select Masters order and the cryptic degrees was because uh, they're the same thing, essentially. The, the, the degrees within the order of the Royal and Select Masters are known as the cryptic degrees. But, however, in England and Wales, actually, the degrees are practiced as a standalone organization of Freemasonry. And uh, the degrees of this chapter are the Royal Master, the Select Master, and the Super Excellent Master. Master, Master, Master. <laughs> yeah, again, like every one of these degrees looks like, seems like they could be the final degree. Yeah, the names are very illustrious. That's one of the thing. Uh, that's one of the things I think Masons like getting is the bigger titles. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like getting a new name tag or something, and place it on your career. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so the first degree <clears throat> is the degree of the Royal Master. And in ritual, it returns to the days before Solomon's temple was completed and at least partially concerns the deposit of the secrets of the temple into their hidden location in the crypt under Solomon's temple. So this actually references secret treasure buried under Solomon's temple. And if you remember the Knights Templar episode, that treasure is supposedly what the, the Knights Templar were supposed to have found. But uh, that's all up for, for grabs. And it's just a theory. Yeah. But I found it intriguing that it does get referenced within Masonry. So the next degree is the degree of the select master, and it's considered American in origin. And that was first mentioned when it was conferred on William S. Davis on August 28th, 1769 in St. Andrew's Royal Arch Lodge. And uh, the degree continues to concern the the deposit of secrets under the temple into a hidden location in the in the crypt. So it's an extension of the royal master degree, essentially. And uh, it, apparently, it was developed in America. It is not an American degree in the sense that we understand it, because it still has its allegory in ancient Jerusalem. But the degree itself was made in America in 1769. And then the last degree of these is the, the super excellent master. And it actually disappeared after December 21st, 1797, but may have come back as the most excellent master degree. And so really the two are considered synonymous. And then the degree concerns the period long after the, the destruction of Solomon's temple and the exodus of the Hebrews. So the first two degrees talk about the, the deposit of this, secret treasure or whatever under Solomon's temple. And then the last one actually jumps forward and uh, it's about the, the exodus of the Hebrews and the 12 tribes of Israel after the, the destruction of Solomon's temple. So it's a continued story. The Masons cover history from all the way back in ancient Jerusalem, all the way up to American history. So, they cover a huge gap of historical knowledge within their order. And it's amazing to see all the different stories and allegories that they use to teach philosophy within the order. 
All right, and then the last one is the Commandery of the Knights Templar, and this is the final order joined in the York Rite. And uh, unlike other Masonic bodies, which only require a belief in a supreme being regardless of religion, membership in the Knights Templar actually is only open to Christian Masons who have completed their Royal Arch and, in some jurisdictions, their cryptic degrees. So this is equivalent to almost receiving the, the 33rd degree and the Scottish Rite in the sense that it is extremely hard to get into. And uh, there's strict requirements for Masons who want to join it. Would you would you say that this is uh, more difficult or less difficult or the same as the 33rd degree? Um, it's hard to tell because there are different rights. But I am assuming uh, probably the same difficulty because they're both on the top end of their spectrums. Uh, the 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 commandery of the Knights Templar is the highest you can go in the York Rite, and then the thirty third degree is the highest you can go in the Scottish Rite. So they're both pretty up there. And then this order is actually modeled of get this the historical Knights Templar. That's the name, the commandery of the Knights Templar, and uh, the Knights Templar who throughout history have been claimed as the origin of Freemasonry itself, actually suggesting that the Knights Templar took refuge in Freemasonry after their persecution in 1307. The Grand Encampment of the United States acknowledges these theories, but states that there is no proof to justify such claims. So again, uh, in a historical sense, uh, that, that the historical sense is contrary to what Masons consider their history. There's a difference in opinion. So they have their own interpretation of history. Um, essentially, yeah. They they teach the stories of history, but within their their own sense. I mean, that would make sense. And considering our history doesn't know much uh, regarding their society, maybe their society has a lot of information regarding history. Yeah, they could be right, and. Uh, uh, the only way we could tell is with uh, historical confirmation. Yeah, that's true. All right, so the first of these is the Illustrious Order of the Red Cross, and it's important as it ties in ancient craft masonry with chivalric masonry or the Old Testament with the New Testament. So, again, it teaches everything from ancient Jerusalem, the Old Testament, and the New Testament through American history. So it covers a wide range of history. And the Illustrious Order of the Red Cross is the connection point between Old Testament and New Testament history. However, it was a point of contention when the Sir Knights from New England and Pennsylvania came together to form a National Templar organization. So this degree was actually uh, kind of fought over. They uh, really uh, fought over what this degree would look like and uh, what this, if, if this degree would even actually exist. But uh, it plays such an important part in masonry today because, again, it connects Old Testament and New Testament. So in modern sense, it's a, it's an essential degree within New York, right? And then after that, we have what's called the Order of the Knights of Malta. And this emphasizes the lesson of faith and requires a mason to practice the Christian faith. The order introduces a lesson, an example of the faithful martyr of Christianity. And the order is centered around the Knights of Malta who were inheritors of the medieval Knights Hospitaller. And uh, for those who don't know who the Hospitallers were, they were essentially brother-in-arms to the Templars during the Crusades. 
So it's interesting that they have the Crusader history here as well. Again, the historical time frame that Freemasonry covers is immensely huge and uh, an amazing feat that they could cover so much knowledge within their order. No, I did not, I did not uh, know of the Hospitallers until now. Yeah, they were essentially the brother in arms to the Templars, and they actually existed before the Templars. Really? Would you say that the Templars maybe developed uh, as a as a branch of the Hospitalis? Um, I think they probably had an important place with the foundation of the Templars, but I don't think the Hospitalis themselves formed the Templars. I know it was the original nine knights of the Templars who formed what became the Knights Templar. And then the last one is the Order of the Temple, and this emphasizes the lessons of self-sacrifice and reverence and is meant to rekindle the spirit of the medieval Knights Templar. So again, the Knights Templar are reborn within Freemasonry almost. Uh, but more emphasis is actually placed on the solemnity and reverence associated with the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. So again, the... The, the commander of the Knights Templar is a purely Christian order within the York, right? You have to be a Christian to be able to join the, the commander of the Knights Templar. And that's obviously because of the lessons that it teaches. It's centered around uh, Christianity heavily during the Crusades, but also during uh, Christ's own lifetime. All right. And then after completing... All three of these York Rite bodies, which is a huge body of knowledge, a Mason may pursue education in the Scottish Rite or join any of the many appendant bodies of Freemasonry. So we talked about the Scottish Rite. We talked about Blue Lodge Masonry, and we talked about the York Rite. All three of those are pretty much the foundation for, uh, for Freemasonry, and it really covers what most people think of as Freemasonry. However, there are also many appendant organizations that are associated with the Freemasonry and have their own systems of degrees and teachings that can even more further a Freemason's knowledge of their order. But I, we are running out of time on this episode, so we are going to have to talk about those guys next time. But I do hope you guys enjoyed our introduction on the Freemasons. And then I hope you guys can stay tuned for the interview with George Mudry. Got anything to say, Ian, before we wrap it up? No, just be sure to check out the interview with George Mudry. He is a Mason himself, and he is very knowledgeable on the topic. And we would love if you were able to show up. Yep, that's going to be a Facebook Live, too, once we figure it all out. So stay tuned for that, and I hope you guys like the little introduction on the on the Freemasons. All right, guys, we'll wrap this up, and then next week we'll have another episode on a historical subject. And uh, I'm actually not too sure what we're going to do after the Freemason series. I've been pretty occupied with uh, this series. It's been a, a lot of information and uh, connections and technology issues and stuff that we've been trying to figure out with this series alone. So stay tuned uh, when we do figure out what that next subject will be. I, I know it'll definitely be something intriguing, though. I haven't had any complaints about any of our previous episodes. So, And then, uh, as usual, I'd like to give a shout-out to Anchor, our podcasting service. That's been a miracle in making these episodes, and uh, we really couldn't have done it without it. And besides a few technology issues here and there, uh, it's been pretty good.
So if you guys have ever wanted to make your own podcast, this is a really great service to do that, and uh, I highly recommend it. But then more importantly, I'd like to give a shout out to some of you guys as my listeners. And as we continue to embark on this podcast, and for those who have liked and been following the Facebook page, we thank you for the continued growth that that has been experiencing. And then uh, some new people have liked the page too, and uh, we're up to 57 57 followers. So we're slowly growing for sure. And uh, we we started in March, so I think uh, time-wise we're not doing too bad. Definitely not. This is a very good group we got here. Yeah, and uh, I thank you guys. Really, we couldn't have done the podcast without you. If we didn't have an audience and a great audience like you guys, this podcast wouldn't be possible. All right. You got anything before we wrap up, Ian? Uh, Like we were saying earlier, if you're you're listening to this podcast, make sure you check out the interview. We're recording this before we do the interview, but this is probably going to be out afterwards. But be sure to check that out because it's going to be really cool. Yeah, the episode's... The episodes are kind of jumbled up in the Freemason series, but I'm sure you guys will be able to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, other than that, all being said, thanks, guys, and have a nice week. This is Jacob. Ian. All right. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.